Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another overcast day here in an empty capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Jeff Halls, Managing Director of 26, a Sussex-based commercial interior specialist offering innovative design, quality fit-out, and contemporary office and leisure furniture. Jeff, hello. Good afternoon, Matthew. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, normally, uh, we'd uh, go straight over to the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak, uh, we should probably start there. How has this affected your business? Uh, in a big way, Matthew. Um, unfortunately, the nature of, of, of my business is dependent on um, on companies and um, occupying offices, which, of course, um, isn't mm. what businesses are looking to do at present. So, um, unfortunately, um, the business is, is, is been affected dramatically. Now, uh, do you believe that this is going to take a long-term uh, change in the way in which offices are designed for organizations like yourselves uh, to survive? Long-term, yes. Um, I think it will be phased. There are going to be short-term adjustments um, in, in the way that people will work. I believe that um, uh, companies with, with um, a large headcount will, will look at different ways of working moving forward. Some people may suit to work at home. Some may work in um, cellular offices, more local to themselves. Um, some may stay in, in the bigger offices. But this, of course, is all going to take um, a fair amount of time to work out and work through. Um, certainly not this year. Um, it, it's probably in the next next four to five years before it all, all sorts itself out and filters through. But it will be phased. Initially, it's, it's fighting the virus and getting people back to work in a safe way. So there'll be adjustments made to the workplace to make, allow people to maintain um, the distance from each other. There may be some screens introduced and other bits of hardware introduced to, to, to help um, help us all uh, stop uh, the, the, the spread of the virus. Um, the next phase may be replanning um, space planning offices and facilities. And of course, long term, it may be even moving buildings, mm. um, moving offices. How do you so, see? So, yes, it's going to affect us in a big way moving forward. How do you see COVID-19 affecting the language of design going forward? I think it, 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 it's food for thought is a bad way, bad expression, but, but I think it will allow people um, the opportunity to actually see how they're working and how they're interacting. Technology is going to play a massive part of this. And I know a lot of people have been using software, third-party software, especially, so they can, they can still speak face-to-face, albeit via a tablet or a phone. I think that will be adopted far more into business than it ever was before. Mm. Now, we should move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? That's a difficult question. Um, I, I've, oh, I've I know. thought about <laughs> I've, I've thought about this. I, I I I wasn't educated to become a leader. Um, I'm certainly not a natural leader. 
Leadership to me means that um, I, I, I try to show by example. I wouldn't ask anyone to do anything that I wasn't prepared to do. But it's, it's sharing information, whatever my target may be, short, mid, and long term. It's sharing information and getting people to join me in that journey. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone goes to work for different reasons. Some are financial rewards. Some uh, like uh, achieving certain tasks short term. So whatever it is that drives them, it's, it's working that out and seeing if you can take them along the journey with you. See if you can adapt um, individuals to work with you. Um, and I, I found that to be successful for myself. Um, yeah. and, and people do enjoy the idea of, of, of or the opportunity to, to change the way that, that, that they're thinking and they're working. Now, of course, uh, adapting people and molding them is, is so important in the workplace. Do you offer any sort of mentorship schemes? There's no schemes that, that I, I know of that are available that are specific enough to, to what we do. Mm. I, I look at the individuals. I look at their skill sets, their experiences, and, and to see how I can use those skill sets and, and maybe you know, d- develop the business, my business, with those skill sets and also develop the individual. I'm developing. I'm learning all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I'm learning new, new skills. Um, but um, uh, it, the, the key to me is getting people to buy into your vision. When was the first time you bought into a vision? Did you have any role models who took you under their wing? Yes, I do. Um, there, there have been been a few actually along the way. Um, I'm accountanted by trade, done a done an apprenticeship. So of course I have my my mentor um, whilst doing my apprenticeship. Um, learnt lots from from him. Then went self-employed for a period of time. And then got introduced to business and manufacturing through um, a, a guy. Um, learnt an awful lot from him. Um, the business grew. We introduced a sales and marketing team, which was completely alien to me. So I learned a lot from those guys. So, yeah, constantly learning, Matthew. Now, of course, one of the most difficult aspects of being a leader within business is when people's relationships break down. It's inevitable. It always happens. People are not infallible. How do you manage conflict within the workplace? What's your technique? I can't answer that. It's not happened, bizarrely. Um, everyone has different views, and that's based on experiences, their education. And, and I'd like to think most of the people I work with, if not all, will, will respect other people's views um, and ultimately look at what's best for the business. Sometimes people can feel a little bit aggrieved, but it, it's very, very short, short term. Um, once they understand that the, 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 the way forward was chosen for a specific reason, I've not had any issues along those lines, fortunately. Well, that's a, that's a very fortunate circumstance to be in. Um, you must uh, do quite a lot of excellent recruiting. Um, what is the thing that you look for in the people that you hire? Experience. I need them to be personal um, because they, they, they all represent my business. Uh, 
we work on a business to business basis. Uh, and any one of, of my guys um, that I'm working with, I'll be very happy to talk to any of our clients, um, uh, whatever um, the, uh, the position that that client may be. It may be a managing director. It could be uh, one of the janitors. But I'm very happy for them to talk openly about what, what we're doing during the day uh, and, and what our plans are moving forward. So the key is to get to get people that can communicate. Um, if if they're able to do that, um, you can overcome an awful lot of uh, mm. potential issues. Now, Jeff, unfortunately, our time has uh, run out. But before I let you go, what does next twelve months have in store for Twenty Six? Oh, crikey, that's that's crystal ball gazing <laughs> to the extreme at, at the moment. Um, this year. Uh, I think it's just battened down the hatches, Matthew. It's just uh, it's, it's making sure that we're in a great place when when the industry picks up um, next year and subsequent years. I think could be very very busy for us because of that mid and long term um, need to change the way the workplace is, is at the moment. Um, but this year, short term, it, it really is just just look after what we've got. Do it very well, uh, and and make sure we're, we're we're ready for the for the starting mode next year. Um, that's that's what I'm planning at the moment. Um, of course, it's determined by this virus. If we have another spike of the virus, then the plans could change. Everything could be delayed even more. Of course. Well, Jeff, it's been a pleasure having you on the program, and I do hope uh, that we can have you back on when things get back to some semblance of normalcy. Jeff, thank you. I look you. forward to that. Thanks, Jeff. That was Jeff Halls, Managing Director of 26. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quote I always 
mention when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over the years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and of course a great manager in South Ramsey so to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career of course and, and then your life and that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely and in those early days um, at West Ham uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played and so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player if you like not as a, a guy with the same age group as me and I looked at how he how he uh, trained how he acted how he behaved and how he played and so he he would say I would also say he was a big influence on me one thing I would say about leadership uh, what I do I do understand clearly in all walks of life leadership is at the top is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, 
maybe over this trip by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be I'd be involved in the squad initially. Um, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, 
top quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show you. He got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in two. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can think, tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard of somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think. Um, you, you were a young man when... See, this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really 
struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who. Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly um, yeah and and with that looking at um, uh, football today uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader um well a player current players you mean oh players managers anybody that uh, you look to today really well i think some of the outstanding i think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is 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 uh Klopp at liverpool mm. he has been absolutely fantastic to uh acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was yeah. Well, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, That's a they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking. Um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it 
that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody... And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind single mindedness, dedication, Dedication to the job, um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not. Uh, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time. 
goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.